to the NPS Medicine Wise podcast, helping health professionals stay up to date with the latest news and evidence about medicines and medical tests. Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Kate Anir. I'm a GP and I'm also a medical advisor for NPS Medicine Wise. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Today, we're going to be turning our attention to chronic kidney disease, a common but often silent and highly burdensome disease in our community. We'll be hearing from a young couple, Dan and Jody, who have a lived experience with chronic kidney disease. In 2021, at the age of 31, Dan was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease due to IgA nephropathy. Dan and Jody will be talking to us about their journey as a family, navigating a new diagnosis of chronic kidney disease and how they've dealt with the challenge of living with this condition, including the need to make lifestyle modifications, take multiple medicines, and to learn about a complex condition in order to be able to advocate for themselves. We'll be hearing about the resources that they've found helpful and the advice they have for health professionals and for consumers in making this journey easier for others. Welcome, Dan and Jody, and thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. <laughs> now, if we could start at the beginning of your story, how did your kidney condition present, Dan? Was it detected by screening or did you have symptoms? No, I had um, symptoms. So, I, well, we think it was after my vaccination, my second one, I had a maybe a bit of a reaction to it and I just started getting joint pain, a lot of swelling and... I didn't really think too much of it. Was actually seeing a chiropractor at the time, and he sort of said, "No, you actually need to see a doctor." So I saw my local GP, and he just did a um, a dip test, and sort of was a bit suspicious, and then sent me off for some extra testing and blood tests and stuff like that to sort of come up with the the diagnosis. But I think from the word go, he sort of knew or had a suspicion of what he thought it was, but he obviously had to be sure and cover all bases. So that's sort of the way it sort of happened for us. It sort of happened pretty pretty quick and then, um, yeah, just straight straight into seeing a specialist from there and trying to control it from there. So, you, so he picked up that you had protein in your urine, you think, at yeah, that early stage? Yeah. yeah, sure. And had that ever, well, had you ever had your urine screen before? So uh, we know that for some people with chronic kidney disease, they had risk factors and they might have been screened at some point um, prior to that. Do you know? Well, I, I mean, I did have an episode back in 2008. 19 was it? Yeah, it would have been 2019. 2019, I actually had blood in the urine and went to the hospital, you know, sort of did that and they did some tests there and then um, did follow-up tests with my GP and it all just went back to normal and nothing was ever chased up. So in in respects to screening, no, I don't, I wasn't, I wasn't screened. It was just something that we sort of just found by well, I don't know if it's good or bad luck. But. You're you're young and and healthy, um, so you don't you don't sort of fit or you don't have the traditional risk factors for CKD that we know about as health professionals. So things like high blood pressure, diabetes. You know, you know did you have any risk factors that you're aware of? No, I think I've always been pretty pretty healthy. You know, yeah. my blood pressure's always been fine. Um, pretty active job, so. I don't think I would have 
from off the top of my head would have had any no. risk factors that I can think of. The only reason we were even really aware of what it was when IGA first started being thrown around was because he does have a cousin that also has it. So we kind of knew it existed, but we've also been told it's not at all necessarily a genetic link. Um, but, yeah, in terms of health and fitness and all the rest of it, like he's a healthy weight, um, you know, never had – I mean, he's had the previous heart surgery, but that was a congenital thing. So that was just an, another added layer of <laughs> complexity through the process. But, um, but, yeah, no, it was quite – it was probably a little bit like the heart thing. It was a bit like, oh, okay, yeah. this young guy that really shouldn't – be diagnosed with something like this here he is but the more that we've come to learn about it and the more people we've actually connected with there are a lot of young people that are diagnosed with IGA that's um, yeah that's yeah, right it's quite it's quite surprising when you are and so it's yeah so important for GPs to be vigilant about uh, testing people who who have symptoms or you know maybe even have a family history so um, so that's really important and how how was the diagnosis? Um, was it how was it made and conveyed to you both? Uh, was that done by your GP or the specialist? Well, it was a bit of a combination. It was a, yeah, a bit of a combination. <laughs> but I, I suppose the actual diagnosis was from the kidney biopsy that I had. It was really our GP um, initially that when they first started testing him when he had the joint pain, it was actually our GP who really pushed. Um, getting in touch with the, he got in touch with the specialist. He made the phone calls. He set us up with consults initially. And then from there, um, the biopsy, booking the biopsy and everything happened within about a week and a half or about, a, I think, no, I think we had about a week's notice. They wanted to get him in and we were mid lockdown here in Sydney. So that in itself was a bit of a, well, bit of a challenge. Through that process, did you have a bit of time to adjust to, uh, to that potential diagnosis or did it come as quite well, a shock? Oh, no, I sort of, I sort of was suspicious that something was up. For me, I think I copped this one more on the chin than I did when I found out about my heart. It was a bit easier to swallow because the heart was like, well, I was like, oh wow, that's the heart. <laughs> it's like you, you can, you know, I wasn't. I mean, I never even thought of a disease or anything like that with the kidney, but I suppose. When I was told, it was a bit upsetting because, for one, I was in the neurology ward at St George, so they had no idea of anything to tell me and relay, oh, this is, you know, this is normal and this is normal. They actually couldn't really relay any information, the nurses, because they weren't familiar with kidneys because it was the neurology ward because of COVID and the fact because of COVID, my family couldn't be there. So, it was, it, I mean, it wasn't easy, but it was... It was um, it was definitely easier than when I found out about my heart, that's for sure. It wasn't – it was sort of, you know, change your diet and it was um, – I, I sort of got on with it, I suppose, from there. It yeah. wasn't, it and wasn't. I think initially the diagnosis was fairly positive in that he is not that far along. You know, he hasn't progressed too far along. We've caught it relatively early. Yeah. That could be a very different story in five or ten years, but – we were able to implement stuff straight away. Like they got him straight on the blood pressure medication, even though his blood pressure is fine. Um, never had an issue with it, but just as that preventative. And I suppose probably because the the kidney and the heart is so linked, um, that was a big thing. Like just having a pre-existing heart thing, even though the heart's good now, it's been fixed up with the surgery that he had. But 
it was and that was valve surgery yeah yeah, yeah. valve surgery so, yeah. so that was four four years ago now for the open heart surgery i think it was that was probably scarier in the sense that they basically said to him if we don't do this now you could literally drop dead because the heart was starting to be under so much pressure at least with the kidneys it was a bit like it was still I probably took it harder, I think, because yeah. I, you know, I was like, oh God, again, like here we go again with something. But it, it was a bit more like, okay, we can put, we have more time to put a plan in place and to try and digest it and, you know, um, make the changes that we need to change rather than, you know, just you're going in for open heart surgery next week, hang in there, you know. Yeah. So it was a bit more um, easy, I guess. But in saying that for someone else, it would be really hard, but we'd sort of, been on another end of the spectrum too so that's right and, and as you said it's so important that you, it's been picked up early so that yeah. you've got the opportunity to to make those changes to your lifestyle and and get on the right medication and all of that so um do you know what stage or did they tell you about what stage of kidney disease it was um he's literally stage, stage one, one. Yeah. yeah so he's got about 90 well, we'll find out. Well, I don't know if they give it an actual number, but it, they just say it's above normal. Yeah, his GFR, or estimated GFR is what they call it, is um, 90 plus. So, but that can fluctuate over Fluctuates, time. right, yeah, when yeah. With episodes of progeny. So, like, as you know, we've just come out of a week of COVID. Dan's had mm-hmm. COVID mm-hmm. and we've noticed um, some symptoms with his urine, one of them being, well, frothy urine is a sign of protein in the urine, which was the concern last time. So we were straight on to our GP having conversations, right, we've got to get tested. So, you know, there might be a slight dip in that once we get some tests done. Um, but, again, we're more aware now of where we go to from here and what mm, we can implement right. to try and bring it back sort of thing. And as you said, so you, you've obviously done a lot of um, reading and educated yourselves about the condition, but it, chronic kidney disease can be quite a complex thing to understand. How did you go about finding more uh, more information and, and what resources did you use or find helpful in that process? Dan didn't do a lot of research. <laughs> <to be clear. laughs> um, I, as soon as he rang me, I remember it was the Thursday that he got the diagnosis. It's funny what you can and can't remember sometimes. Um, but I can remember the Thursday him ringing me. He'd had a really rough time the Wednesday afternoon after the biopsy. Um, he had some really horrible back pain because you've got to lay still. And because he was on the um, anticoagulants, blood thinners, even more so, and some pain that he'd had from the open heart surgery sort of returned. So we didn't have a diagnosis on the Wednesday, so it was the Thursday. And as soon as we got it, I'm, I was on the computer, you know, Dr. Google, as bad as, as it is. And you're right, it is, really, it is a complex thing. I still couldn't even really give you a simple this is what IgA means other than I know that it sort of impacts the filters of the kidney and causes scarring and things like that. That's what we're sort of dealing with. Kidney Health Australia, I definitely came across their website for yes. different things. Um, but also a Facebook group. I found a Facebook, like a global IGA nephropathy Facebook group. And from there um, I've connected with some other, or we've connected with some other people within Australia and I'm now on the Facebook group for Australia. So we've got IGA Nephropathy Australia and it's Australia New Zealand. So that's been good too because that's just like a lot of yeah. resource sharing and asking questions. And so it's a good network. But- yeah, it's just a good network particularly and I, I wish I'd found it. Well, to be fair, 
12 months ago, there was only about probably 20 or 30 of us in the group. I think we've got about 150 plus now. So it's slowly growing. Um, so back then I probably wouldn't have had many people to ask questions of, to be fair. Um, and since I joined the, the original member who started it, um, there's a couple of us that have stepped in to be admins. He's going through um, dialysis at the moment. So we've sort of stepped in and to help out. But, yeah, it was probably the internet and then, you know, just general reading up on things, trying to understand the medical report that came home from hospital with him as well, like just all the medical jargon and kind of trying to dumb, dumb down what it means. Um, and was that explained to you in much detail when you were in a hospital or it was – I don't see this is where it was hard. No, you didn't know the questions to ask. No, yeah. I was honestly the information was just dumped on me. It was like yeah, you've got IGA, and then the doctor sort of left, and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I didn't really. Yeah. But I think prior to that, my doctor did say just you know watch your sodium intake. So we we straight off the bat we did that before we even knew. He just said watch that. So and we've been doing that ever since yeah so that's probably the major we definitely got we definitely got like good explanations from a specialist um obviously she's not going to sit there and go through the whole medical report with us and like you know tell us absolutely everything that's in there but we got a fair idea I, I guess also the fact that we knew we know he's not too far progressed at the moment was obviously a comfort but I don't think we felt like we needed to we didn't really need to know much more than, you know, we've got it, this is our kidney function. Yeah. At the time the protein was still really high in his urine. I think it probably had peaked around that time. So there wasn't too much that we needed to clarify from there other than what do, what do we do from here? Like what are we going to do to fix? Not to to fix, be proactive. To manage it and to be proactive moving mm. forward with it. And um yeah, we definitely had a lot of support from both both our GP mm. and our specialists. They were both, and yeah. they were really good at communicating with each other, which made a huge difference because because of lockdown, everything was telehealth or Zoom. Um, and the week he was in hospital, it was it's hard being like the advocate for someone, but not being able to advocate for them because you're not there. And then you run the risk. And there was a couple of points, like when he rang me in absolute agony with his back, I was like, right. I'm, I'm calling the ward and they've got to give and I knew what medication he couldn't couldn't have because we've been through it before so I was you know you can't give him morphine it's going to make him sick blah 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 um and I didn't end up doing that because they were already under under enough strain because and I ended up giving you some stuff that did work in the end for the pain but that in itself was even just really hard that experience um throughout the COVID pandemic is one I think a lot of people can relate to it's, yeah it's it's yeah. been quite isolating yeah so, and Dan doesn't always ask a lot of questions. I'm no. the question asker. <laughs> so I would have loved to have been in the room with the doctor going, right, what does this mean? What What's this mean? What's this mean? Tell me about this, you know, getting all that. But it was what it was at the time and we sort of just had to make do with what we did get. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah. Obviously, we're quite proactive and you made a lot of lifestyle changes uh, early on. And I think you said earlier the main one was diet how what changes did you make and how did you go about doing that well as i said before obviously salt intake was the major sort of hurdle i guess well not a hurdle but that the was main the major shift that, we made. that was the main shift but off the bat we sort of i wanted to take it pretty seriously so we did engage a, a dietitian or renal dietitian 
which she definitely helped and just helped with my diet. And I, I sort of probably went a little bit hard with my diet because I was losing so much weight. I, I looked like a, you know, what is it, male nourished. He'd lost about seven kilos in three weeks. Yeah, without really because we'd cut back the amount of protein he was eating, but, but because of work, you need the protein. <laughs> but mainly, just eating. Uh, I guess probably what any doctor would want you to eat is mm. the diet that I'm on, just a healthy, well balanced diet, and just just watching watching the sodium intake. That's probably yeah. the main things that we do now. So well, we basically we don't add any salt. Any extra salt, and so when it says season, we'll season with a bit of pepper. We might put a little bit of onion powder in, but we don't add any extra salt onto anything. I mean, there's obviously occasions where we go out to dinner or we're at an event, and you can only control you control so, so much. much. But that's, that's right. also just yeah. about planning ahead. Going okay, yeah. for example, or we've got a wedding this weekend, so just make sure leading up to the wedding, we're eating really, really well, and then you know you have your little blowout on the weekend, and then yeah. you come back that's and fine. good. But the, I think probably the biggest one of the biggest things too was just um, like not as much packaged food and stuff. Like as Dan said, we're really just eating the way most medical professionals tell us to eat. You know fresh food made from scratch. We make all our stocks ourselves now. So we'll do a big batch of chicken and beef stock every month or so um, and just freeze it in portions. And when we need stock, we've got it there, but it's got no extra salt in it. Um, It's actually been really interesting. I was finding it overwhelming because I tend to do most of the grocery shopping and I was finding it really overwhelming at the shops going, I don't know what to, like, what can I buy? Reading labels. Yeah, so that was why we got um, Bridget, the dietitian, involved. Um, We got an EPC, I think it's called an Enhanced Primary Care Plan. So that was something that they suggested, which is essentially... um, Gave you access to subsidised, yeah, dietitian dietitian, for a chronic patient. Um, and she was really good. So she just gave us a bunch of resources that, you know, okay, like, fruit, you know, he likes to snack during the day at work as a builder. So it's, you know, what muesli bars, for example, are okay? Um, what diced tomatoes can I buy for when I make spaghetti bolognese? Because when you actually look at the back of labels, it's quite surprising how much salt is in stuff. Yeah, that's been the, that's been the biggest shift mm. that we've made. And trying to – and water, like we were having – we were told definitely keep the water up, but he's Which never are, really yeah, had an always, issue with that. Yeah. Um, and just like trying to keep your stress levels down is the other one that, that we've been told is sort of an important one. And what about medication? So I know that uh, you said you were on something for your blood pressure down and, and uh, did you go on any, any other medications initially? For my kidneys... Long-term is Remipril, which is a blood pressure medication, and short-term was Forksega. Is that yeah, Forksega. The actual uh, Forksega, which is a diabetic medication. Um, when, when I went on it, she sort of said there's been some studies, like they weren't, you know, it had proven to sort of work, and, and she said, oh, would you, like, be willing to go on it? And I said, well... I don't really have much of a choice. So, yeah, that's fine. It actually brought me back to normal with my yeah, there was protein no loss. Dapaglifosin is the other name for it. And it is one of the newer medications that have, has been shown to be quite beneficial in, in slowing down the progression of chronic kidney disease for a lot of people. So, yeah. 
And it took about four months to work. Yeah. It wasn't an immediate thing, which is something that in conversations I've had since with some of these people that we've met on this Facebook group who have sort of said, oh, my doctor's mentioned this. Um, that's my biggest point is you're not going to go on it and see a change in a week. It could take months. You could see a decline in your kidney function and then it will bounce back up. Um, so you've just got to give it time. And he never, he didn't have any side effects either, which was good. I think high sugar, my sugar level was raised or something like that. Oh, yeah, but that's just because she said that was about it. That was pretty much it. So, and do you feel like through that process with uh, you know starting medication that you were able to uh, to take an active role in, I guess, making your own decisions about treatment and what was best for you? Were you given that opportunity, I guess, to be at the centre of your own care and say, "This is what I want"? Well, for me. I really wanted to take it seriously, so I did basically everything that they sort of asked of me. So for me, I, I like I said to my specialist, I said I don't want to die at fifty from this. Like I want to live as long as I can. And she said, "Well, you just need to watch your diet." And it wasn't, to be honest, it wasn't major changes. It, like for some people, it would be, but I think initially it was. It probably took us. You say it probably wasn't a major change because you weren't doing the cooking. <laughs> so it changed for me. It changed for Jodie, not for me. <laughs> and it, it well, does affect, you know, yeah. with all these conditions, it does affect, you know, the whole family, doesn't it? And yeah. yeah. Okay. I think important. we've been really lucky with both our GP and our yeah. specialist. And some people aren't, but thankfully we are or have been. That's really good because we, we also know that uh, people with chronic disease who often have to take a lot of medications it can be very difficult to make those decisions and it's important that you as, as the patient or the consumer at the centre of that um, decision and that you can do what's right for you in, in your mm-hmm. life because often you, a lot is asked of you when you have a chronic illness. And yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it sounds like you've had a good specialist and a good GP that's yeah. sort of helped you through it all and, and that Definitely. makes a big difference too. Yeah. Now, Dan, my understanding too is that some people with your condition, IgA nephropathy, respond really well to treatment and remain stable for a long time, which is really great. But the future can also be uncertain when you're dealing with chronic kidney disease. So how do you both manage this uncertainty and, and plan for the future? Well, I don't <laughs> think about it. I just take it <laughs> day by day because yeah. speaking with my specialist, I asked the questions initially, like, probably a little bit scared, I, I guess, and she said it's really hard to put a number on it. Like it's not like you've got some, you've been diagnosed with cancer, you know, average says that you've got five years. It's not like that. Um, so she, she said like I really, she couldn't put a figure on it. Um, so for me I was like, oh, okay, it's a bit of the unknown, but she, like, she just said the, the best thing you can do, which is what I've sort of said all along, is just – eat healthy, stay healthy, and that will do um, the best thing for you. She, however, also said that she's got a patient that had a transplant and he's coming up 40 years with the mm. transplant. So it's not, you know, it wasn't, you There's know. options. The, yeah, There's there was options. Lots and of options. And, I mean, thankfully we're living in a time where things just keep getting better and better and they're doing yeah. things more quickly um and you know as i said like we've we've linked in with people now that have got have been down that road are going down that road currently um and that is you know and, and that's the other thing as you said it's so different for so many different people you know 
I'm the one that sort of thinks about things, not that Dan doesn't think logically, he does, but I was, I'm always the one that thinks, okay, what does this mean for other things? So um, we'd already got a lot of things like our personal insurances and stuff all in mm. order after the heart surgery, which thank God we did because he's basically uninsurable now. <laughs> um, so it's even just having things like that, you know, like just think – Planning for the worst mm. in a way, but not but staying not, optimistic. Yeah, but being yeah. optimistic at the same mm. time. But particularly for us, we've got two young kids, and it's even it's even a situation around, you know, we've gone and had the girls checked for their hearts because Dan's is a is a genetic um, and congenital thing. Um, so it's even just being really aware of, you know, okay, this is our family history now. This is what's, you know, sort of floating around, maybe in the gene pool, um, just so that we know for future for the for the girls as well but yeah I don't know I think initially it was a shock yeah initially it was um, a shock as I said like probably it was kind of like scared. get back up and then you get kicked down yeah, again pretty soon after but not to be honest haven't really don't really think about it too much now um yeah. after the initial the only time we've really been thinking about it is the last sort of week or so with you know you having COVID and yeah. potentially showing some but even that in itself we are educated now so while we might get some results back in the next couple of weeks that we go, oh, that's a bit of a bummer. Um, you feel prepared. We feel more prepared than we did the first time around, definitely. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And it sounds like, I mean, obviously, Jody, you particularly found the um, the Facebook groups and, you know, that's that's been a sort of source of support for you as well. Is there anything that you would, oh, any sort of messages that you have for other consumers on what you think was helpful and what what they should um, take home from this as to to help support them if you know if somebody's in a similar situation to what you both are I think asking a lot of questions I've always you know I've done that both times now with the different things with Dan um, and as I said it was hard this time because of not being able to be in the hospital but I made sure that as his partner I was on every consult like telehealth or zoom consult with a specialist or gp that i could be obviously sometimes i couldn't but tried as much to be at all the appointments and even now um i still try and do that where i can just because it's always good having that the person that's not being spoken about who's probably trying to take it all in just to have that other set of ears um to listen and also you're always going to have different questions um and as i said i will look at things very differently to dan so just being able to ask questions and not thinking that a question is stupid because it's not. I think my other biggest thing, and this would be off the back of hearing some of other some other people's experiences, and that is to make sure you're happy with your specialist and your GP. It's okay if you're not and you need to move to someone else that can be of you know better service to you. Um, at the end of the day, you're paying them you know, when you're going and have your consult. So you want to make sure you're comfortable with them, happy with them and making sure they're up to date with what is with you your know, condition new and going on and what medications are available. And that's where, where word of mouth is so important too, it isn't is. it? It's sharing. Yeah, it, is. it is, definitely. And, I mean, I've referred, I don't know how many people I have referred to our dietitian. I haven't actually emailed her to say, sorry if you've had a big influx of kidney patients, that's my fault. Um, because, again, over COVID, Everything was done on Zoom and so we now also have that added benefit of, oh, actually we can see, you know, I can be seeing a patient that's over in Perth but I'm actually based in Sydney. Um, that's right. That's That's been a positive thing in some ways, hasn't it? Yeah. There's not many kidney 
specialist or dietitian specializing in kidney disease, I should, should say. Um, I think I found two in the area and the, the lady we ended up going with um, was just easier to access because she worked within the, the hospital system but also worked in a private practice um, once a fortnight of a weekend. So just sort of being aware of being aware also of what the what your doctor and specialist would like you to do and asking what they want you to do we sort of said like okay what do we need to do and she said well you know diet change and then we had the next consult we said right we've got the diet we've seen the dietitian once we've done this she said you're just like my perfect patient because you're doing what I'm asking so taking it seriously I guess is the biggest Mm. thing as well you know while you might be stable as we yeah, said, it, it can go. change really quickly um, and fortunately we haven't been in that situation yet. Uh, and I know kidney health, again, they've got a lot of resources in terms of diet and things like that, but they've also got support services. I didn't know of those initially and I didn't reach out for any of that. Um, I also had the added benefit of having Dan's auntie and cousin to sort of bounce off, probably more, more so his auntie. Dan's probably bounced off his cousin more, but... I initially had his auntie to bounce off um, and now she's actually bouncing off me. So I've sort of yeah, gone. Because you've educated yourself. For a very long time yeah. and I've gone through all this research and we've done all this stuff and now she's like, okay, I need to be on that same page. So just, yeah, having someone that you could sort of chat to as well mm. and, um, yeah, definitely made some connections with people all over the place. Um, we all know, know each other's stories now, which is good. So oh, That's great. That's yeah. really good. And very good good news, Dan. That it, you know you've you've been so well through the process so far. So, yeah, yeah. So that's really good. Now, there's obviously a lot more we could talk about, um, but I think that's probably a good place to sum up there on that positive note. So, thank you so much, Dan and Jody, for taking the time to talk to me today and sharing your story. I think there's a lot we can learn from your experience, particularly for listeners who are facing a new diagnosis of chronic kidney disease in themselves or their loved ones. We can see how important it is to take the condition seriously, even if the early symptoms are minimal. There's without doubt an opportunity in the early stages of chronic kidney disease to make lifestyle changes and to get started on the right medication. And setting yourself on that course early may help to slow the progression of the disease. Secondly, I think Dan and Jody have demonstrated how important it is to educate yourself as much as you can about the condition as it will help you to take an active role in management decisions and to advocate for yourself or someone you are caring for with chronic kidney disease. For some people, this process may include utilising support groups and you certainly can learn a lot from others' experiences, both good and bad. So thank you again, Dan and Jodie. Thanks very much. Now, for those of you who are listening who would like more information, NPS Medicine Wise will soon be delivering a national education program to improve the awareness, screening, management and quality use of medicines for people at risk of and those with chronic kidney disease. You can go to our website, nps.org.au, where you'll find more information on this program and the resources that NPS Medicine Wise has developed in collaboration with Kidney Health Australia and with the National Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisation, NACHO, to support both health professionals and also consumers who are living with chronic kidney disease. GPs can also go to our website for more information on CPD points related to this podcast. 
So thanks again for joining us and bye for now. For more information about the safe and wise use of medicines, visit the NPS MedicineWise website at nps.org.au.